Sing along with me if you know this kid's song. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Now, yeah, right. <laughs> Who was it? Katie? All right, nice. It does turn into a strange hokey pokey after that point, but... So isn't it strange that church kids sing that song? Wouldn't it be more fitting for Jewish kids? Well, you have to know a little bit about covenant theology to appreciate the profound truth of the song for Christians. Understanding Abraham and justification by faith alone is key. Millennia ago, God chose to save Abraham and greatly bless him by bringing him and his household into gracious covenant. Abraham wasn't Jewish, nor was he a law keeper. He was a pagan rescued from false religion, sin, and guilt. By grace, Abraham believed God's gospel covenant promises, and God counted Abraham's faith as righteousness. And that means that God preached the gospel to Abraham. Abraham heard the gospel with faith, and Abraham was justified under the law. That's why Paul uses Abraham in Galatians to strengthen his defense of justification by faith alone. Abraham is the prime example of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Realize, people are saved the same way today. Salvation comes not by being a moral person and observing God's law, not by striving uh, for God's acceptance, to earn God's acceptance and love through virtue, but by faith in Jesus, the chosen seed in Messiah, who is the only truly righteous one. In our text today, Paul says something that helps us understand why the song Father Abraham is best suited for Christians. He makes an important gospel clarification. He said plainly, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. True saving faith distinguishes um, the, the true offspring of Abraham, the true Israel, nothing else. Nothing else but saving faith in Jesus. The heirs of the kingdom and all its blessings are those who by faith walk under the reign and rule of the king. So herein is the goodness of this little kid's song. When we sing, I am one of them and so are you, it's not about being Jewish, but about being united to Christ by faith. Faith, not circumcision, not dietary laws, not observing the Mosaic law. But faith in Christ makes every believer a genuine offspring of Abraham. That's really my point for today. Here's my point. The true sons of Abraham are those who trust in Christ alone and are justified and eternally blessed with Abraham in Christ. The true sons of Abraham are those who trust in Christ alone and are justified and eternally blessed with Abraham in Christ. Abraham received temporal and eternal blessings by faith, and you can too. And it will encourage you to know that you don't need to become Jewish or observe the Mosaic law to be blessed with Abraham. All you must do is receive the blessings and pleasures of God in Christ by faith, just like Abraham did. 
Like the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989, the wall between Jews and Gentiles has fallen. This is why Paul wrote later in chapter 3, There is neither Jew nor Greek, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Brothers and sisters, like Abraham... We who trust in Christ alone are the offspring of Abraham because we belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So like Abraham, we are heirs of God's gospel promises and blessings. How? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Now this makes a difference in your life. Sometimes musicians, actors, and athletes experience stage fright or what's called performance anxiety. They feel the stress of having to perform and please others. They may fear a failure in some way and letting others down, and that creates anxiety in them. And it's easy to define, for all of us really, to define ourselves by our performance. Well, similarly, Christians can experience performance anxiety when they lose sight of the true gospel and begin to feel like they must earn God's acceptance and love by their moral performance. Christians sometimes slip into destructive patterns of trying to work for God's acceptance and love, which leaves them anxious and insecure and oftentimes exhausted. Performance anxiety is the worst in people who look to the law to justify them. God wants his children to rest, to rest secure in his grace and to perform because they are already accepted and loved. Then performance is their expression, an expression of adoration, an expression of praise, an expression of worship. Now, you may struggle with performance anxiety. And if you do, you're expecting the law to do for you what only Christ can do for you. You see, the gospel is your therapy. Galatians is your therapy. It's therapy for those struggling with performance anxiety. The gospel can transform your performance anxiety, can take your legalism and transform it into rest and thankfulness and joy so, so when you feel performance in, in your Christian life, as you walk with Christ, feel that performance anxiety welling up and creeping up, you have to go to the gospel of Jesus Christ. To go to the gospel and trust that Christ has made you right with God. Christ is your rest. Christ is your comfort. Christ is your assurance. Psalm 116 verse 7 says, Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Isn't that wonderful? So let's review again why Paul's words were so needed in the Galatian churches. The Galatians, they were deserting God and they were turning to a gospel of works righteousness. And those from the circumcision party were distorting the gospel of Christ and troubling the churches. This was a serious situation. Well, uh, here's a a little funny version of uh, Father Abraham from Dr. Riken that captures what was going on in the Galatian churches. His his humorous one went like this. Father Abraham had many sons, 
And many sons said, Father Abraham, and I am one of them, but you are not. So let's all get together for a little procedure uh, we like to call circumcision. I, I, I thought that was kind of funny. At reading, I was laughing as I'm reading that in, in the commentary. You don't have to find it that funny. But Galatian churches were filled with hypocrisy as they added law-keeping to faith for salvation, which was ultimately undermining the person and work of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to clarify the gospel, to correct the errors in the church, to make sure that they understood how justification actually works. Perhaps the best summary of Paul's entire argument is Galatians 2.16. Yet we know, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Paul was driving that point home over and over and over through the book of Galatians. He wrote to lead the Galatians back to the gospel and and to alleviate the burden of performance anxiety, the burden of legalism. He was giving them gospel to give them hope, to give them comfort, to give them assurance, to give them what the anchor of their soul was, the gospel. He was giving them Christ. Look at verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Paul mentions Abraham here to fortify his argument for justification by faith alone. Now here's the point that I want to make. Christians today are justified the same way Abraham was years ago. Christians today are justified the same way Abraham was years ago. Now, let's not forget what justification means. Okay, we have to keep it in mind what it means. Well, the Westminster Shorter Catechism defines it like this. Very simply, justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardons us all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. That's justification. God justifies us. God pardons our sins. God accepts us as righteous. But how is he going to do that? God imputes the righteousness of Christ to us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, so that in union with Christ, in oneness with our Lord and Savior, God counts us believers righteous under the law. It's a legal declaration, a beautiful one, that means everything to us. Paul uses Old Testament scriptures, namely about Abraham, to strengthen his case for justification by faith alone. Paul didn't invent justification by faith. It's not his doing, okay? He's writing something that had always existed. It's right there in Genesis in the Abraham narrative. When the false gospel of you need to be circumcised and observe the Mosaic law to be saved showed up in Galatia, Paul said, no, no. Consider Abraham. He believed and was justified. So in case you haven't noticed, Paul is just coming back and and nailing the same point over and over from different ways. In verse 6, Paul quotes Genesis 15, verse 6. Paul also quotes Genesis 15, verse 6 in Romans 4, verses 1 through 5, where he makes the same point. Listen to how he makes it to the Romans. 
What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Right there it is. The believer's faith is counted as righteousness. Now, since we have no righteousness of our own, we have to put our faith in Christ, who then becomes our righteousness. When we believe into Christ, our faith is counted as if it were righteousness, because the righteousness of Christ is credited to us through our believing in Him. A wonderful exchange. Circumcision or law-keeping cannot justify because as Romans 4, 9 through 12 explains, Abraham believed and was justified before he was circumcised. That's a very important order. Verse 11 says, he, talking about Abraham, received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Romans 4 is big, 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 big. It's massive, it's important, you have to know it. It's a big text. Abraham was circumcised after he believed and was justified, and his circumcision pledged and assured him of his justification that he had by faith alone. Circumcision was a gracious reminder for Abraham that God had promised him salvation in Christ to be received only by faith. And keep in mind now that Abraham's entire household received the sign and seal of justification by faith alone. That's what circumcision means. As a quick aside, Romans 4 has massive implications for baptism because circumcision represented for Abraham and his children what baptism represents for believers and their children today. Circumcision was never the cause of salvation. It was a sign and seal of salvation. Salvation received by faith alone. Saints, listen to how Paul described justification in Romans 4, 20 through 25. Listen closely. No unbelief made him, Abraham, waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Paul was clear. When Moses wrote, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness, back in Genesis, it did not simply apply to Abraham. Saints, that ancient gospel truth is for you. That's for you. 
to enjoy and to relish in as we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, God counts our faith as righteousness. Just like Abraham, as you and I believe the gospel, we are counted righteous under the law. We continue to sin. We continue to accumulate guilt for ourselves every day. But Christ has rescued us And the gospel says that God no longer counts our sin against us. He he renders us righteous. We are accepted and loved by God because of the righteousness of Christ. That ancient truth, it dismantles performance anxiety and brings rest for the soul. Like Abraham, dear Christian, I just want this to get through for you. Rest in Christ because he alone is your righteousness. My next point, it may be new for some of you and it may be kind of confusing for some of you, uh, but I ask that you just consider it carefully and consider my, my biblical reasoning here. The true sons of Abraham are believers. They always have been. In scripture, the term sons of Abraham commonly refers to what? To, to Jews, to the Jews. The the Jews physically descended from Abraham. That being said, there was tension in the Galatian church between the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. The Judaizers wanted the Gentile believers to observe the Mosaic law, not only to be part of the church, but folks to be saved. Observe the Mosaic law to be saved. And Paul was like, I don't think so. No way, that's not how it works. Paul he brought the hammer down upon the the bad theology and false gospel of the Judaizers. He said in verse seven, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Then he added two verses later, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That is a blow to the false gospel of the Judaizers. Verse 7 says, loud and clear, observing the Mosaic law does not make you a son of Abraham, nor does it make you blessed with Abraham. Only faith and union with Christ do. Who are the true offspring of Abraham or true Israel? Verse 7 makes it clear. It is not the physical descendants of Abraham. It's the spiritual descendants, those of faith is what Paul says. See, there are physical sons of Abraham and there are spiritual sons of Abraham or believers. The the ethnic Jews are the physical sons of Abraham. Spiritual sons of Abraham are believers or Christians. Being justified now was always about faith in the gospel and never about ethnicity and never about observing the law. Now, of course, ethnic Israel and the Mosaic law have a purpose in redemptive history, absolutely. I'm not diminishing that whatsoever. But the gospel and salvation has always been from the beginning about spiritual sons of Abraham or those who trust in Christ alone for salvation. Many ethnic Jews throughout history, the history of redemption, were never truly Israel because of their unbelief. Now consider what Dr. Riken says about verse 7. He says this. This helps you understand the scripture. This is just an explanation of verse 7. Grammatically, he says, 
Verse 7 reads like this. The ones of faith, these are the sons of Abraham. All who believe and only those who believe are children of Abraham. Membership in Abraham's family is not hereditary, he says. Father Abraham's true sons and daughters are not the people who keep the law, but the people who live by faith. Their family resemblance is spiritual rather than physical. End of quote. Dr. Riken is exactly right. He knows what Paul, what point Paul is making. He is entirely consistent with Paul. Now, some Christians, I know this is very tender, some Christians today think that God's chosen people are the nation of Israel. I don't think that's consistent with what Paul wrote in verse 7 and many other places in his epistles. I would argue from Paul uh, that most of the nation of Israel today are not actually sons of Abraham at all, not actually Israel in the true biblical sense. In fact, I don't think being part of the nation of Israel today has any bearing on salvation whatsoever. Now, why would I say that? You have to understand my reasoning how I come to that conclusion. First, an overwhelming majority of the citizens of the state of Israel today hate and reject Jesus. And Orthodox and secular Jews at large across the world also hate and reject Jesus. Jews spurn the cross of Jesus Christ. True sons of Abraham love and revere Jesus Christ and they treasure his cross. Second, persecution of Christian in Israel is on the rise. You can read about it on opendoorsusa.org. True sons of Abraham don't persecute the beloved bride of Christ. They love and they serve her. Three, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul taught that the true Israel is the spiritual Israel or believers. The entire book of Galatians makes this point most clearly, chapter 3, verses 7 and 9. Romans 9 confirms this as well. Paul said plainly, listen carefully, for not all who are descended from Israel, that's physical Israel, ethnic Israel, belong to Israel. That's spiritual Israel, which is what the whole thing has always been about. He goes on in in verse 7, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. That's physical. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. That's spiritual. Paul said in verse 8, this means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Do you understand Paul's point? So in Romans 9, the terms Israel and children of Abraham and offspring and children of God and children of promise all refer to one group. And Paul is clear that that one group is not ethnic Israel, but spiritual Israel or believers, you and me, and all believers through the ages. True Israel has nothing to do with children of the flesh and everything to do with children of promise. Four, the distinction between physical and spiritual Israel comes directly from, wait for it, Jesus. Now Paul was writing uh, Jesus' theology because he was inspired by Jesus to write it, but this is what Jesus said. Jesus taught about the true spiritual Israel. Matthew 8, check that out, very helpful, but John 8 is conclusive. Jesus was talking with ethnic Jews of Abraham, um, ethnic sons of Abraham or Jews. Jesus affirmed their genetics. He said this, I know that you are offspring of Abraham. 
So he, he knew his genetics. He said, uh, and, and when he said that I know that you are offspring of Abraham, he was meaning that they were blood descendants of Abraham, but Jesus didn't actually consider them true sons of Abraham because why? Because of their unbelief. Listen to what Jesus told these, these ethnic Jews, that he knew that they were descend, physical descendants, but knew that they weren't physical. Listen, listen to what he said. If you were Abraham's children, meaning you're not Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. And at this point, we should ask the question, who's he talking about with the father? If Abraham's not their father, which it seemed logical that it was, who's he talking about? Brace yourselves. Eventually, Jesus told them that their father was the devil, not Abraham. And after that, guess what they tried to do? They tried to stone him to death. They didn't like being told they weren't Israel. See, Jesus was essentially telling those ethnic and religious Jews, you are not actually children of Abraham at all. You are children of Satan because unlike Abraham, you don't believe me or God's gospel promises. Instead, you plot to kill me, the Christ. Your unbelief means that you are not children of Abraham because children of Abraham believe me as Abraham did. Wow. Saints. From Eden on, there has only ever been one true church, one true Israel. And they have always been those who believe in the gospel and are justified. Whether Jew or Gentile, believers are the sons of Abraham. Believers. And with Abraham are heirs. They're heirs. You and I are heirs of the kingdom and all of the kingdom's blessings. This is amazing. This is, this is gospel. And I've heard the argument before as, as, as people look at the nation of Israel, look at how God has blessed the nation of Israel through the years. But Paul says this, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. And Paul clearly meant of faith in the life, death, and burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ the Lord. If you reject him, you're not blessed in the fullest sense. Now, why does this matter? Beloved church, trying to be good enough for God has never been the means of getting right with God. The law has never saved anyone. Getting circumcised or observing dietary laws or being a moral person cannot make you right with God. Only Jesus Christ can make you right with God because only Jesus Christ is righteous. So dear Christian, trust not in the law for your righteousness. Trust not in your own goodness or, or decency. Trust in Christ. Oh, trust in Christ with complete confidence as your only righteousness and trust that you are the true offspring of Abraham only because God united you to Christ through faith and counts your faith as righteousness. Your assurance and your comfort in those dark moments of the soul when you ask yourself the question, am I really saved? If I do this during the week, does God accept and love me then? 
wrestle so deeply with these things in the darkness of the soul. Trust Christ. Your assurance and comfort that you are right with God is not how well you perform, but how well Christ has performed for you. Church, you are the blessed sons of Abraham, included in sons as daughters. You're their offspring of Abraham. Oh, I'm getting warmed up now. The next point is the hope of the world. I might get charismatic. The gospel of justification by faith alone is for the nations. Aren't you glad that the gospel of justification by faith alone made it from Abraham in the Middle East to you right here? Come on now. Now, I don't care if you are European, African, Asian, North American, or South American, or Timbuktuan, whatever. It doesn't matter where you're from. The blessings of, gospel, of the gospel are for you when you receive Christ by faith alone. Verse 8 says so beautifully, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Folks, that's huge. Huge. Paul is referring back to Genesis 12 3, where God preached the gospel to Abraham. The gospel was not a New Testament thing, it's been around since the beginning. Genesis 3 15. So here's Genesis 12 3. Now, to say the Scripture preached, as Paul does, is similar to saying God preached because Scripture is God's authoritative word breathed out which cannot be separated from God himself. Do you understand? So God promised to justify the Gentiles by faith, not by the law. God preached this gospel to Abraham. In you shall all the nations be blessed. That's gospel because salvation through faith was for the nations. This is amazing, not just for ethnic Israel. From the very beginning, even before Israel was organized, it was about the nations. And like Abraham, the nations would be eternally blessed by trusting in Christ alone and being made right with God through Christ. In one sense, the phrase in you points to the promised seed rising from within the family of Abraham. In Abraham was a seed a son, a son greater than Isaac, a son who would provide salvation for the nations. To be blessed in Abraham is to believe in Christ as Abraham believed in Christ. Faith identifies all believers with Abraham and unites them to Christ. The gospel of in you shall all the nations be blessed was the promise that people from every tribe, language, and nation would be rescued by the Messiah, made right with God, and eternally blessed through faith. The gospel of God's redemption was never through ethnicity and was never through law-keeping, ever. God's eternal plan of redemption was always about rescuing a people from the nations through the merits of Christ alone, received by grace alone, through faith alone. And you know what? Galatians 3.8 motivates global missions. 
God has a plan to reach the nations with the preached gospel and to justify them and to give them the Holy Spirit through hearing with faith. Christina and I right now are, are doing something exciting together. We're watching through this compelling DVD series titled Dispatches from the Front. Dispatches from the Front about how the gospel is advancing all across the world to Southeast Asia, West Africa, India, South Sudan, and other hostile lands. It is so compelling to see how the gospel is moving into these areas and is transforming our brothers and sisters in Christ who live there. It's precious to see and to identify with these people that that we will spend eternity with through this DVD series. We won't meet them in this life, but we'll have billions of years to get to know them and to enjoy them for who they are, a, a colorful display of the true church. And watching this series is like watching God's promises to Abraham uh, become fulfilled and and coming to life and coming true. The nations are hearing the gospel with faith and the nations are being justified by faith alone and the nations are, are coming to be blessed in Jesus Christ alone. All across the world, the gospel is reaching God's children the fellow heirs with Christ, our fellow heirs, heirs of this glorious, glorious, eternal and forever kingdom. And it's exciting. You know what? It's happening here too. Saints, the message of justification by faith alone is the hope of the world and it must be preached to the nations. Can I get an amen for that? Let us be so enthralled by the glory of Christ that we long to see every knee around the world bow to King Jesus, even knees among the most hostile people groups. Oh, that the Muslims would bow the knee to Jesus. Oh, that the radical Hindus would bow the knee to Jesus. Let us be so grateful for Christ that we want to see his fame and his supremacy advance to the far corners of the earth so that he is worshipped there and people can receive the eternal blessings of the gospel through faith just like Abraham did. Let our vision for the advance of the gospel be beyond Mannheim, beyond Lancaster County, beyond Lebanon County, beyond Pennsylvania, beyond our nation. Let it go to the world. We must reach our brothers and sisters who have yet to hear and believe. Oh, to see the name of the Lord Jesus Christ heralded and revered all across the earth. The nations will hear when someone comes and boldly preaches justification by faith alone in Christ alone for their eternal happiness in God. The nations will be sons of Abraham. We are the nations. God came to us. You know what? Let me, I, I said this more generally. Let me personalize it. It is a constant fight for me to get the focus off of myself. And my little life here, and on to Christ, preach to the nations. I have such little desire to see the nations rescued so that they may be blessed with Abraham and with us. Folks, the gospel is for the nations. Care deeply about that. Church, care about the nations. God does. 
In verse 9, Paul says it again. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. The covenant promises and blessings of God are yours when you trust in Christ alone. Think about how God blessed Abraham. Abraham is an heir of the kingdom, and so are you. If you believe like Abraham believed, Paul said those who are of faith are blessed. Saints, you are so blessed. You are blessed right now. You're not waiting for blessing. You are blessing, and yet, in in another sense, you will receive the fullness of God's blessings when the king returns. All of it is yours. All of it you have now. It's an already not yet type of thing. It's coming. The king will come and bring great blessing. And when Paul calls Abraham the man of faith, or you could say Abraham the believer, Paul meant Abraham was confident in God's promises. Think about what God promised Abraham for a moment. I, he said to him, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Saints, those promises are for you. God graciously brought you into covenant by granting you faith through which he united you to Christ and gave you the Spirit forever. Along with Abraham, through your faith, God bonds you to Christ and blesses you with himself and all the earth, all the kingdom. Brothers and sisters, you are blessed children of God forever. Your adoption is forever. Like Abraham, the promised new heaven and new earth are yours forever. Like Abraham... Every single promise and blessing in Scripture is yours and will be yours forever in Christ Jesus, your Lord. You will miss out on no good thing from God, no good blessing from God, because you belong to Christ. It is this gospel that alleviates performance anxiety. This is what gives you rest. This is what allows you to rest in Christ and not grow anxious, dear one. But make no mistake, listen very carefully, only those who trust in Christ alone for salvation are blessed along with Abraham. Was Paul vague about this? Does he leave us with questions? You see, sometimes preaching and evangelism are so vague and confusing because in them the gospel is often reduced to God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's not the gospel. That is not the gospel. Unbelievers need true law and gospel preaching and evangelism. Unbelievers need to understand that the law condemns them. They're not acceptable to God. God condemns them in their sin and guilt. And as we'll see in Galatians next time, unbelievers, they're actually cursed by God in their unbelief, which is unrighteousness. Unbelievers will find pardon and blessing when they admit their sin and guilt and fall completely broken and completely humbled before the Lord Jesus Christ, begging Him for mercy. Give mercy before I am shattered by the wrath of God. And then, and only then, 
As they receive Christ by grace through faith, will they be counted righteous and find rest and comfort and assurance and joy and blessing and happiness in Christ. Through the gospel, God is calling to unbelievers through the proclaimed word to come to Christ in order to be accepted and loved in Christ alone. The call is there. It is going forth even now. So do not be confused. The blessings of God, they are not for everyone. Yes, God's common grace is universal, food, shelter, clothing, life. We could go on and on about temporal blessings, but the eternal blessings of God's saving grace are for believers only, the church only, the sons of Abraham only. Abraham was essentially blessed because, excuse me, why? He believed. He believed. Saints, we are eternally blessed because we're righteous and so much better than those pagans, because we're good somehow, because we're moral. No, no. No, because we believe in the one who is righteous and good, the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 8, 56, Jesus explains why Abraham was so blessed Jesus said to calloused and unbelieving ethnic Jews, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it, and here's the key, and was glad. How is performance anxiety overcome? I'm interested in that. I was born a Pharisee. By seeing Christ in all of his glory in the gospel, and being glad in him. A vision of Christ in God's gospel promises was the center of Abraham's gladness, the center of his joy. I'll close with a challenge. Would you read Romans 4 sometime? Please do it. Romans 4 holds such goodness for you, believers, if if you believe what's there. Paul says that the promise of salvation depends on faith and rests on grace and is guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, whether Jew or Gentile. So if, like Abraham, you believe, then do you know what you are? You are an heir of the entire world, an heir of the kingdom. You were dead in sin, and God came to you, and he gave you life in the gospel in order for you to be an heir of the world. The kingdom is yours in Christ, beloved church. See, the true sons of Abraham are those who trust in Christ alone and are justified and eternally blessed with Abraham in Christ. But they are justified and eternally blessed believers because when they were dead, God came to them and gave them life in Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, Father Abraham has many sons. I am one of them, and so are you. So are you. What is our natural response then to our true identity? You know the song gets it well, gets it right on. So let's all praise the Lord. Do you understand the connection? Can we sing it again as we transition to the Lord's Supper? Father Abraham had many sons, And many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. 
So let's all praise the Lord. Amen. That's good news, is it not?